Who are they? What do they want? What are their needs and concerns? What are their possible objections? What's their mood? That's Rob Biesenbach. He joined me for this episode to talk about insights to help us become better storytellers. Rob works with leaders, helping them to become more persuasive in their communication. He's a professional speaker and leads workshops, award-winning consultant, and he's authored three books, including his most recent, Unleash the Power of Storytelling. Hey, welcome to Communication on Point. We are focused on bringing you content that helps you deliver your message with more clarity and impact. So without further ado, let's get started with the message from Rob Biesenbach. Rob Biesenbach, welcome to Communication on Point. Glad to have you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much, Dean. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think it's really timely. And that's why immediately when I thought about storytelling, I wanted to reach out to you because when we're in the world of complex and uncertain times, we know that that requires leadership. And in my mind, you can't lead without good communication. And past few, maybe past few years, there's been this movement toward more storytelling skills for leaders. But when a lot of people hear storytelling, we might think more about the three little pigs or the little engine that could. So I guess I want some of your insights. You know, what is it about storytelling and why is it important for leaders? Yeah, well, you know, storytelling is, you know, some people call communications in general and storytelling specifically a soft skill, like, you know, a nice thing to do, but it's actually not soft. It's based on hard science. And there's a ton of science, neurological evidence that points to the power of stories. So a leader that can capture the events of the day and the priorities and the vision in the form of a narrative is, I think, going to have a lot more success. So you mentioned something there, capturing the events. And it sounds like it's the power of stories to kind of simplify things or try to bring lots of things together. How, how does that relate to even, you know, I think about these, these stories that we read as kids, but how do those link to what we're trying to do as leaders when we're telling stories? Well, stories help put big, complicated problems and issues into perspective. It provides context, a meaningful framework. You know, the, the, the thing about fables and the reason they resonate with us is while each fable or story might have very specific details that differ from one to the other, the universal lessons that people draw from them are much larger and much more relatable. So that's why if you can boil down what's happening in your organization or in your market to some of these universal principles that draw people together and tell a story based on that. You think about fables, it's good versus evil. Uh, it's fairness. It's, uh, you know, the, the perils of selfishness, uh, all those things. So which people can relate to. And so you have to find something, one of those larger connections or commonalities that bring people together, teamwork, uh, yeah, the, the need to, to do good, to help to make people's lives better. Mm -hmm. So it brings a, a different level of meaning compared to just talking about data or statistics or information like that. And, you know, yeah, any of us thinking back to childhood are probably thinking about some of those 
fables, some of those childhood stories that have stuck with us. I'm, I'm curious, as a storyteller, is there one or two that really stand out to you as kind of either really resonating or a really a great example of the power of a great story? You know, <laughs> it's been a long time since I was a child, but I have one now, <laughs> two, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I was, we spent a lot of time reading to them. So I'm rediscovering a lot of stories I'd forgotten about. And among all the stories, the one that I was really excited about when we got it for Teddy was Curious George. I loved Curious George as a child. And I think it was because I connected to the whole concept because I was curious. I mean, my mother, I would just bore my mother, not bore her, drive her you know, to, to distraction with always asking, what if, what if, what if? And Curious George also got into a little bit of mischief and trouble and that I could kind of <laughs> relate to that as well. So I think that's just one of the things about stories. It, it has that, you find something in it that like, oh, I'm not a monkey, but I can relate. Mm-hmm. To, I can relate to what's at stake here. Exactly. Now, uh, one of your books, uh, "Unleash the Power of Storytelling," you wrote it a while ago, but it it really seems to continue to have legs when it comes to sales, and it really resonates with people. and And I'd love to use y- your insights that you share in that to have you, you know, kind of teach me the building blocks, the basics of. If, if I'm going to tell stories, if I'm going to, as a leader, and when I say leader, I mean, whether that's, you know, leading a family or a nonprofit group mm-hmm. or, or a corporation, you know, those principles are the same. So if I'm going to be telling stories, teach me some of those elements that I need to keep in mind when I go about crafting and delivering a great story that's going to help the people around me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, the book has really taken off. Oddly, in its second year, it tripled the sales of the first year. I I don't have any way to explain that other than the fact that it's such a timely topic and everybody's looking for more information. So what I've tried to do in the book, actually, I almost changed the title at the last minute. I was going to change it to Storytelling Made Simple, but then I did my research and I found out that somebody else had a book called Storytelling Made Easy. I thought that would be a little too close, but That was, as I was finishing up the book, I was saying, this is really my whole goal here is to simplify because people make it so complicated. So that's my long way of answering. I'm happy to get into some of those simple elements if you'd like. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, let's say I'm getting ready to to talk to my team. It's, you know, uncertain times right now, or we're we're talking about what we need to do with the, the customer and I'm trying to craft that. Are there some are there some basic elements that I need to make sure that I don't forget so that I don't have a, a thin story that falls flat and doesn't really resonate? Or is there an arc kind of that that story builds upon? Yeah, there's a number of steps in the process. Number one is to know your audience. Who are they? What do they want? What are their needs and concerns? What are their possible objections? What's their mood? So if, if, you, if your story is... Uh, that that will shape the tone of your story and and the the point of your story. So you think first and foremost about your audience. Then you think about your goals, and you try to find a match. You know, people are concerned about long term job security. <laughs> you are concerned maybe as a manager of you know managing costs in these perilous times. Can you find a bridge between those two things that 
Well, actually, what we're talking about today is going to cause some short-term pain, but in the long run, it has the you know it may have the effect of ensuring our long-term security. So that I think is the first step: is bridging your goals with your audience's needs. And then in building a story, you need a character that can be you. Uh, it could be the, the ideal character in any story is to a character that the audience can relate to. And they're most likely to relate to somebody who is similar to them. So if you're talking to employees, you should tell a story about an employee. Talking to customers, tell a story about a customer. That's the ideal. And then so they have the character. The character has a goal. Uh, there's some kind of challenge or obstacle in the way of achieving that goal. And uh, somehow the story gets resolved. So character, goal, challenge, resolution. That's kind of the, the meat of any good story. So that gives us a really simple path that when I'm telling a story, maybe to my team or to my group, maybe I want them to know about success that we had with a customer. And so I can take them through that whole journey of this is what you know Susan and John did to bring the customer through this experience. And so I'm, I'm using that so that people can connect to that, that real thing that happened and through the challenges and what happened and what's the outcome and what did the customer say? Maybe if I'm talking to a customer, maybe I say something like, I don't know what, what you will find, but here is what another customer, very similar to you, experienced. And so I take them through those steps. There was, there's a goal, there's something they want, there's a challenge they ran into, and there's something that we helped them through and so I'm using those elements consistently. Now, what if right now, uh, I, I'm not quite sure what that resolution is going to be. Is, is there a place for storytelling when I don't yet know what that resolution is? Yeah, it's funny. Somebody had just recently asked that about what if you don't have a, 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 the story hasn't resolved yet, what do you do? And just to, just to recapture some things you said, it really is about finding that conflict don't shy away from conflict. So customer had this problem, we help solve it. Um, it can even be a conflict in the process. We weren't sure we could solve this problem. We tried this and it didn't work. We tried this and it did. So um, yeah, finding that conflict is key. But then if you don't have the resolution, you can perhaps resort to, we all have experienced the frustration of X, okay, whatever the frust, whatever the problem is. And then you go, well, what if I told you that, you know, we could find a way to take all the frustration out of the process, make it easy and simple for anyone to follow, and you can get, you know, whatever your goal is. Well, that is something we're working on. You know, we don't have it yet today, but here are some of the things that we're building to, to get toward that solution. So you make it more of a future-looking uh, story. So would it be, as you were sharing that, I was thinking storytelling, or at least these elements, could even be helpful if we're in a, a small group, maybe during that problem-solving phase. And so rather than everybody jumping in to try to come up with ideas of what should be done, it seems like these storytelling elements could help get everybody on the same page so that we understand who is the audience? Like, who who are we talking about? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what is it that they're trying to achieve? And then let's make sure we understand what the challenge is here so that you're using that. And then you kind of come up to that point of, okay, now we need to overcome it. And let's all come together now and work on how we might resolve this. Is that 
Is that a fair assumption of a, a way to apply these building blocks? Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, really fair. I think it's really all about problem solution. And, you know, I, I work with different audiences. When I work with people in my profession, communications, I think your profession as well, they get it and they want to get right to the heart. What's a story? What's a two minute story I can use in this branding campaign, this employee communication, this, you know, this media story, whatever it is. But other people are more, I found people outside communicators, they're like, okay, what is the context? How am I going to tell this story? Where does it fit? And so that I've started to get into more of like, okay, let's construct an overall communication that's really going to resonate with your audience and find a place for your story. And it all begins with what is the problem? And too often, solution providers, service-oriented people, we like to jump straight to the solution or the benefits, but you're never going to sell anybody on a solution if they haven't agreed on a problem. So yeah, it's a great exercise to think about your audience. What are the problems they're experiencing or what's the problem we're having in serving them and then go toward a solution? It's Yeah, it can work as a management tool. You know, when I think about the concept or skill, we'll call it a skill, you know, that people could perceive of storytelling. We all know that that person who is a great storyteller and we we look at them and say, man, they're just they're just a natural at it. And sometimes people could say, you know, I'm just not a good storyteller. Have you encountered people that have maybe had that perception and then seen them evolve and, and become a much more effective storyteller? Absolutely. I see it in my workshops every time I do it. People think, oh gosh, I'm not a storyteller. And then I give them some really simple tools and processes and they realize that, yeah, I can tell a story and that stories are all around. They're easy to find. You know, I give you an example. I, I do in the workshops, I have people craft a story on the spot, give them a few minutes to come up with one. And this one woman in a workshop, which is completely stumped. She says, I, I'm not a storyteller. And I said, well, what do you do? And she said, I'm in IT. And I said, well, what's the biggest problem you face? Because, oh, user error. These people, they, they download viruses. They, they install these flash drives that are just they, they wreck our systems. They pour Diet Coke in their keyboard. And I said, okay, well, do you have, and you don't say stories. Do you have an example of somebody who did something really dumb like that? And it cost them a lot of embarrassment and pain and the company money? She goes, oh, yeah. And I said, well, that's a story. So you can tell, talk to people all day long about following policies and procedures when it comes to IT, or you can bring it to life with a vivid story about somebody they know, <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. name change to protect the innocent, who you know ran into a huge problem, and it's going to have a much bigger impact on people. Now, when we started talking, you you mentioned like you know there's this brain chemistry aspect of the power of storytelling, and I could expect that when she was telling somebody a story about a user that people begin seeing themselves in the story she's telling and probably start thinking about times they've downloaded things or they've used thumb drives. And so is is that part of the chemistry of our brain that helps the story to kind of get the message in? Yeah. Stories are experiential. They're not a passive experience. So they activate us and you know, science shows us. They activate us on multiple levels. Physically, uh, evidence shows that our palms sweat, our eyes dilate. Emotionally, we mirror that person's emotion. We identify, we empathize. Uh, So physically, emotionally, and mentally, with the best stories, 
we see ourselves in them. We, we, we put ourselves in that story and ask, well, what would I do under these circumstances? So that it all comes together to, it really sweeps people up as opposed to just telling them stuff, a data dump, a death by PowerPoint. Mm. Yeah, because we can, maybe when we're pre- preparing for that, you work with people on improving their presentation skills. And certainly there's, <laughs> it, it, it's funny. I, I find it funny. You go to a presentation and many times people in the audience are rolling their eyes and, and just glazed over because there's so much information getting dumped on them. But I've seen those same people complaining about the, the data dump that then go just a few weeks <laughs> later, put a presentation together and do the exact same thing. What's going on there? Well, just like they're sitting in the audience, they can't believe the speaker doesn't recognize that they've lost the, that he's lost the audience. Um, it's because we think that's everybody else's problem. Oh, I'm a, I'm, you know, I I don't think it's much an ego thing. Like I'm a great presenter. I think it's this information is so critical. You know, people will want to hear it no matter what. Mm -hmm. And it's not true these days with the world of distraction we all have at our fingertips. There's no reason to listen to a speaker that doesn't grab us from the start and keep us there. So yeah, that we become victim. It's easy to kind of lose perspective. So yeah, when you're when you're mentioning that, I mean, really, if if I'm presenting, if I'm speaking, if I'm if I'm in that position communicating with somebody else, if I'm only relying on information, they can Google it, right? They don't need me. Yeah, I think Seth Godin said, I forgot who said it, so I usually attribute it to Seth Godin. He said, if all you're doing is conveying information with your presentation, that's a waste of everybody's time. Send a memo. What you want to do, and I don't know where I. Seth leaves off and I start, but (laughs) I'll I'll say this is me. What you want to do is you want to activate them. You want them to change their mind or change their actions in some way that's favorable to you. Now, sometimes I hear people talk about uh, kind of almost a reluctance when they introduce themselves to other people. They, They don't want to brag about their degrees or their work experience or things like that. And so it, it can be kind of awkward or the flip side of it is they drone on and on and on. How could storytelling help us be more effective in our own introductions when we meet somebody new? So important. And in fact, I have a whole chapter of a, the book devoted to how to tell your story. Um, because you get what I, what you, the second example there, what I call alphabet soup syndrome, where we're just listing off all of our qualifications and we are more than the sum of our LinkedIn profiles. Um, or on the other hand, more likely people, just as often people are like, oh, you know, they, they don't want to talk about themselves. So if you can find a way to craft a narrative, if you can boil down your experience, your worldview in a story, first of all, it's going to be more captivating to the audience, but it's also probably going to be more captivating to you because it's, it's much more interesting than lists of qualifications. So finding that story and being able to tell it in a very simple way. It's really, really important. And it helps set you apart because I guarantee you, everybody shares your qualifications. Not everybody, but a lot of people do. But nobody has your particular story. So I'm going to put you on the spot for a moment here because I think that is really key. I think that's a, a tool. If I'm listening to this right now, there's that moment. You know, what do we have? A few seconds, eight seconds to really capture somebody's attention, to really make an impact when we first meet them. And let's say you and I are at a at a meeting somewhere and I introduce you to a friend of mine. They've never met you before. And I say, Rob, could you 
tell them a little bit about yourself? And so I'm curious, how, how do you answer that question when you're on the spot? It all depends on my audience. And because like you, I do a variety of things. Uh, so depending on what the, I think that person could you would be valuable for them to hear, I would probably change the story. But mm-hmm. I have various versions of it. I mean, one might be as simple as, well, if you've ever sat through an awful presentation, I'm trying to put an end to that. I help people become more powerful and persuasive communicators. They can ditch the PowerPoint and speak from the heart. Mm. And as soon as you're saying that, I'm thinking about all these terrible presentations I sat through, right? So you got me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's one of those universal questions. Uh, you know, everybody can answer in the affirmative. Yes, I've done that. Been there. Mm-hmm. So that's one version of it. Others, I might link, you know, my, my, my career throughout, you know, I spent my adult life in communications, started a second career as an actor. And what I learned was everything I was learning on stage in front of the camera could be applied directly to business communication. So now I uh, use lessons from performance to help people perform better in their jobs. And you're not a doctor, but you've played one on TV. Is that right? Exactly. And you know, it's funny you should say that. I don't tell that joke as much anymore because I I did a poll on my friends on Facebook. And I think you have to be, well, I think I'm pretty sure you're younger than I am, but I feel like you have to be over 50 to get that joke. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise people are like, huh? (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. the world keeps changing. Yes. I'm just going to kind of bring the pieces here of what I'm hearing. Storytelling is a, I'd call it a key competency based on what you're saying. If I'm going to be in any type of sales, leadership, customer service, I mean, this is, it seems like anywhere that I'm interacting with people, honing my communication skills around storytelling is going to make a difference. Would you say that's right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody should be armed with a bank of stories that they can use for different purposes and but also have their radar up to be able to find stories and to apply the right story in the right circumstance. Yeah. And that point there, you mentioned kind of gathering stories, having my radar up for stories. We get presented with this moment where we think to ourselves, oh, I should tell a story here, but then our mind goes blank or tank is empty. Right. How, do, how do we become more attuned to looking for stories and honing them so that we're more prepared when we need to use them? Yeah. The very first step is, you know, the stories are all around us. And if you don't have a filter, if you don't have a net, you're just going to be swamped. So your filter or your net is who you are and what you're about. It might be your, your business goals. It might be your key messages. It might be your brand, uh, your vision, mission statement strategy, usually for a company, but sometimes with an individual. So figuring out what you're about. I know what I'm about. I'm always on the lookout for stories, proving the power of stories, the power of emotion, any stories about how to communicate more successfully. So I'm always on the lookout for those. And I keep my, and I find them in all kinds of places. I find them on a television commercial. I find them reading a book or a blog post. I find them when I observe people at the uh, drugstore. So they're all around us. And if, if you've got your filters up, you can say, ah, I can use that. And then you work it. You work it. You roll it over in your mind. And if you do it well, do it enough, you'll be able to call it up in the right circumstance. Sure. Is there something I should be 
cautious of or aware of that maybe is a, a pitfall or a mistake that I might run into when it comes to storytelling? I think the biggest problem people have, other than the intimidation factor of, oh, I'm not a storyteller, the biggest problem is clutter, just overloading their stories with so much. It's, it's hard to figure out, especially when you're t- telling a story from your own experience, which you should be doing. It's hard to be objective about that. And I always remind people that it's a story, not an affidavit. You don't have to have every fact, every twist and turn. And in fact, you can do things like condense. You can tell things out of sequence. You can even omit. You should absolutely omit certain facts because, again, you're trying to draw a narrative, not trying to take people through a step-by-step process. Mm -hmm. So if my story is we're driving in the car, I don't need to name the the make, model, year, and color and all the details about the car because unless it's relevant, I don't need to add it. Unless it's relevant. Absolutely. Always, for any bit of information in your story, ask yourself, what is that there for? If I told somebody, oh, this happened on March 5th, 1972, what's the relevance of that? But if I told them this was in the early 70s at the height of the anti-war movement, oh, okay, people would, now they're in the time and place that matters. You've given me context. Well, it sounds like if, you know, regardless of the role that we're in, but especially people in positions of influence and leadership. This is a this is a potential superpower when it comes to helping people sort through all of the data and the information. We're just drowning with information right now. And I, I think people are going to be more and more attracted to, to those who can convey things in simple and compelling ways. And that sounds like storytelling is, the, is a perfect fit for that. And that's what I'm hearing from so many of my clients that bring me in because they're people, whether they're salespeople or engineers or even non-technical people, they just have trouble like getting away from the data dumps and the death by PowerPoint and framing it in a way that is exciting and compelling for people. So yeah, superpower, sure. (laughs) (laughs) You'll take it, right? Yeah, why not? So what's something, if I've been, I'm listening to this, um, I'm in a position where I can tell stories more effectively and there's some key things. What's something you want to make sure that I take away from our conversation around storytelling? A lot of it comes down to emotion. There has to be an emotional core to your story. And just as there's science behind the power of stories, there's science behind the fact that we make decisions based on emotion. So, well, the subtitle of the book is When Hearts Change Minds Get Results. The path to changing minds and actions is to win over their hearts so you need some emotional component to your story. And emotion, a lot of people shy away from emotion in the business setting. So I don't mean you have to have an Oprah moment and make people cry or make yourself cry. It can just be a simple emotion, like an appeal to pride or ego or fear or insecurity or any of those things. And that's awesome. And and because that's where that conflict comes in. It brings us in. We have to have the emotion to capture the attention. And that's something that we can do. Anytime that we're interacting, we, we're bringing that, that meaning, that why to the story. And so this has been extremely helpful for me. There's some key things that I can certainly put into place right away. And I'd love you to share, where do people go if they want more insights from you when it comes to presentations and storytelling? And what resources would you offer up? 
Uh, well, you can start with uh, my website, and if you can spell my name, you can find it, but it's not a given that you'll be able to spell my name. Um, I suppose there'll be a link in the description, but sure. um, it's Rob Biesenbach, B-I-E-S-E-N-B-A-C-H, robbiesenbach.com. I have hundreds of blog posts on storytelling and presentation skills and communication. I have a YouTube channel, again, easily Googleable. Google, Googleable? I think that's a word. Findable on Google. So my YouTube channel has lots of videos on that. And the books are available at your favorite online retailer in paperback, ebook, and two out of the three of them are actually also in audiobook narrated by me. So lots of resources. Awesome. Rob Biesenbach, thank you so much for sharing your insights and giving us some tools to improve our communication through better storytelling. Have a great one. And thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Dean. It was a great conversation. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Great insights from Rob on how we can improve our game at telling stories. You see, it's so easy for us to get focused on the details and the minutia and the data, but we know that data doesn't change minds. Stories do. It's the tension. It's the emotion that helps us to capture the essence of what we're trying to convey. And so I encourage you to work on ways this week, today, that you can apply some of these insights to improving your storytelling that you use in your world. Thanks again for tuning in today. You can get more uh, links that we've talked about with Rob on the show notes from this episode. So be sure to check those out if you want more information. If you have comments, questions, or ideas for episodes, be sure to email me, Dean at clarisresults.com. That's D-E-A-N at C-L-A-R-U-S results.com. And I will see you again next week.